Welcome to Voices from the Valley, a podcast of the Community Foundation for the Fox Valley Region. I'm Amy Spreeman. And I'm Carolyn DeRosier. You know, it's an interesting component of life in the Fox Valley that if you live in one of the more rural parts of our region, there are often serious gaps in services such as transportation, health care, and other services meant to help individuals and families that might be struggling economically. So in this episode, we're going to learn more about what this looks like in Clintonville, Wisconsin, and how people are stepping in to help. Yeah, it's such a great example of a community working together. We wanted you to hear their voices, specifically from the Compassionate Connections Center. Now, that's a nonprofit which is stepping in to fill gaps in services in this smaller community. You know, Amy, I'm so excited about this episode because ever since I learned about Compassionate Connections, I've just been so impressed by their collective vision and their roll-up-your-sleeves attitude. Like, they just get things done. They definitely do, Carolyn. And for our listeners who might be new to this podcast, a reminder that our community foundation for the Fox Valley region serves in five counties, and we actually have five affiliate community foundations in our region, including our Clintonville Area Foundation, which is doing great work to help donors give back in their community. We visited the Compassionate Connections Center, and we heard from their small but mighty team. Here's a bit of that conversation. Well, I'm here in Clintonville, Wisconsin, with Leah Winoiak, Executive Director of Compassionate Connections Center. Hello, Leah. Thanks for being on the podcast and inviting me to Clintonville. Oh, welcome, Amy. Thank you so much for coming to Compassionate Connection Center today. Well, we are thrilled to be here. You just turned two years old. Happy birthday. We did. <laughs> and it has been an incredible journey so far. We're really looking forward to what the future holds here. Uh, it sounds like you're going to have a great future. And, you know, you offer so many different services. And Before we talk about those, let's talk a little bit about Clintonville, this community. Uh, for listeners not familiar with this area, share with us about your community. What are the people like? What's it known for? Yeah, so Clintonville is a small rural community. We are about 40 miles north of the Fox Valley area. Um, We have a population of just under 5,000 people. Um, So I would call us a small, tight-knit community where people really look out for one another. And you're in a building that used to be a veterinary office. Is that right? That's true. That's true. And we are strategically located above the Clintonville Food Pantry. So that provides a wonderful partnership to really meet the needs fully of many individuals who are coming through the door. Oh, that's fantastic. How did you get started with this nonprofit? Who do you serve? And what about it makes uh, this Compassionate Connections organization so remarkable? So really, it just started as many years of conversation among, you know, a group of really um, conscientious individuals who recognized a higher than average poverty rate in our community, a lack of resources and barriers to those being able to access their basic needs. And so after many years of conversation, some research, some community assessment, it was really Amy Meinhardt, our founder, who was able to pull everything together to get the nonprofit started. So two years ago, you opened your doors. Yes. Wow, that's great. You know, um, Many services like the ones you offer come from, you know, places like county organizations located near a larger city uh, or the county seat. But for rural communities like this one, you're looking to meet the needs. Does that present a challenge? 
It really does. Um, so for, for many individuals who are experiencing, um, a need or a personal crisis, they may have to travel an, an hour's distance to, to, to find that service. There may be a wait list. Um, there may be a lot of time involved. Um, transportation is a huge barrier. Um, the additional cost, missing time from work or childcare. It is so multifaceted to meeting a basic and emergent need um, to not have something right in a rural community. Well, let's talk about some of the unique programs and services that you that you offer that are making a huge impact in your community. Uh, why don't we start with what you mentioned, food and hunger. Uh, you've got some very in- unique programs designed for different age groups. Can you talk to us about those? Yeah. So one of our largest ongoing programs is called the Nutrition Mission, and it is a weekend food backpack program designed for students in the Clintonville School District to provide provide a weekend's worth of food um, so that children and families that may be experiencing food insecurity have their needs met over the weekend. Um, we, like I mentioned, have a higher than average poverty rate where about 50 to 60 percent of the students in the Clintonville School District um qualify for free or reduced lunch. So we knew a program such as this would be of value to um, the students in our community. So in April of 2021, we piloted the program on a smaller scale to see how it would work in our community. And it was very well received. So um, in the 2022 school year, we launched the full program. And it has been tremendous, and we are now currently serving 260 students every weekend. Wow, that's that's incredible. How does that work then? So the students receive backpacks. Where do they get them? Uh, who fills them? Yeah, so we work with the school counselors in each school building, and we actually serve our early Head Start students, so from two years old all the way to seniors in high school. So every school building kind of handles it a little bit differently, but it does take an army of volunteers from those that come and unpack the food, get it ready for backpacks. Then a team comes in to pack those backpacks. And then we have a handful of volunteers that come and make sure those get delivered to the schools every week as well. So it is really takes an army of people to make this happen. And it's not just the students, I understand, that are eating the food over the weekend. It's their families as well, isn't yes, it? Yes, we we encourage that, you know, that it be shared with the entire family to help meet whatever need may exist. Have you heard uh, stories or feedback from people who receive them? We absolutely have. We um, do a survey to families about every six months, and the feedback has been incredible. So many people are telling us this saves us so much on our grocery bill. It's been such a blessing to our family. Um, Actually, a story came from our Head Start um, representative that said, you know, when the delivery volunteer shows up, the kids cheer like, yay, the backpacks are here. <laughs> but then one little boy stood up and said, now I get to eat. Oh, and that was wow. so powerful. That's that's amazing uh, that you can meet that need for that little boy and his family and for so many students. Absolutely. Uh-huh. Because we know that... Good nutrition is tied to childhood development. And when kids come back to school with bellies full, they're coming ready to learn. They are, indeed. Now, as we sit here talking, um, we're in a room surrounded by diapers, shelves and shelves of diapers of different size. There's formula. 
you have a diaper bank here. Tell us about that. Yes. So when we first opened our doors, we knew it was going to be very important to be able to serve the needs of families with young children. And Diapers and feminine hygiene was our go-to staple to have a hygiene pantry. So we started with those things and it quickly took off. Um, when people can save knowing they can come and pick up their diapers here every week, that helps stretch their budget and they're able to, you know, put that money towards needed food or a bill and those things and, and just having that peace of mind to know that their children have what they need. Um, but since that time, our, our hygiene pantry has really exploded to personal hygiene items along with diapers, wipes, and feminine hygiene. Um, we probably serve on average about 50 individuals a week through our pantry. And this is largely due to we are able to provide these hygiene products right through that food backpack. So in that backpack every week, they get a pantry checklist and they can check the items that they need and they can be discreetly sent home with the child within their food backpack as well. So you go through formula too and and during the formula shortage, uh, you must have been challenged to try to meet the need that way. We absolutely were and we were just so happy. Um, We partnered with the food pantry and a lot of local community uh, members um, stepped up and said, we know this is so important and here's what we can do to help. And so the word got out quickly and many people utilize us as a resource to meet that need for their children. So people bring to the food pantry because this is where you're getting a lot of your supplies. They they bring in diapers, they bring in food items, um, shelf items that are shelf stable for families. So it's really a whole community effort, isn't it? It absolutely is. Our community has really embraced us from day one. Um, we quickly kind of became the resource hub of the community. We've always had a very generous community, like I said, always looking out for each other. But when our hub existed, everybody knew where to come and be able to pitch in where they could. Yeah, that that is. How many volunteers do you have, would you say? I mean, in different areas. In different areas, we have over 50 active volunteers. And you also hold events throughout the year, uh, very fun events, I might say, um, including a trivia night at one of the supper clubs in town. And I understand that's hugely, hugely popular. What's that all about? Yes. So last year, we kicked off our inaugural event and we held a trivia night fundraiser. And we decided on trivia because... It's something the whole family can enjoy, and we really wanted to make it a community-building event as well. So we talked to our favorite supper club in town, Matthews, and they allowed us to literally take over their entire restaurant. So we we got the entire restaurant to ourselves. We set up raffle baskets, silent auction items, and anybody in the community could come out and participate with that, even if they didn't want to play trivia. In the end of our evening, evening um, ended with a trivia event, which we packed the house. I don't think we could have gotten another team in the door. Um, So it was heartwarming to see the way the community responded and everybody um, was really raving about 
that they enjoyed themselves and it felt good to be there and being able to give back um, all proceeds from that fundraiser went to help support our back to school clothing resource where we provide free back to school clothing for children in our community. Well, that segues into the clothing because that's another big part of your organization. Uh, you have a community clothes closet. Yeah. So what started as just um, an event for back to school clothing resource Um we were able to partner with um, our local United Methodist Church, and they give us their entire upstairs space to host this clothing resource. Um, but we have so many clothes left over at the end of the event that whenever there's an emergency or crisis situation, we may get a call from the school district. We may get a call from the police department. There may have been a fire in town, and now a family has no belongings. We can take them up to that clothing resource and provide those needs. We're not yet at the capacity to keep a fully functioning clothing resource year-round, but one wonderful thing that happened is that we've partnered with the community clothes closet and they bring out their traveling clothes closet to our resource and we're able to provide that to the community by monthly now. That's amazing. So uh, where would that be located? Where where do you house your clothing? That's at the United Methodist Church. It's there at the church. It okay. is. It is. Mm -hmm. So that's a beautiful partnership that's been established in our community. You know, Compassionate Connections is really about helping people, but it's also really about relationships, isn't it? <laughs> You're right, Amy. That's the secret, really. I mean, it's in our name, Compassionate Connections. Um, when anybody walks through the door, we are very intentional about treating that person with dignity and respect and just building the foundation of that relationship with them. So many times people are coming to us at their most vulnerable moments, times of crisis, and we just want to lay that foundation, meet them where they are at. And um, when that happens, people go back and tell other people, it's okay to go there. They're going to help you, and it's a safe space. We are going to take a little break and be back with Leah in just a moment. It's the last half of the school year. That means it's scholarship application time. The Community Foundation for the Fox Valley Region has more than $1 million in scholarships available to high school seniors, college, and non-traditional students. The money comes from scholarship funds created by people, businesses, and organizations who are passionate about education. Applications are open right now. Deadlines begin mid-February. Visit cffoxvalley.org scholarships to learn more. You can see the change every day. Like just talking to someone that comes in and it's like they're at their lowest low and you just have a conversation with them. You're like, I'm here for you. We have so many resources. Like just tell me what it is and we'll find a way. That promise, that little bit of hope, that's all they need. That voice you just heard was Michaela Easley, who works the front office at Compassionate Connections in Clintonville as an admin assistant. Leah, typically when someone contacts you for help, what are they looking for? Are there emergency situations, for instance, where someone might need financial help? 
I would say the majority of our calls are when people are experiencing a personal or financial crisis, and we are going to guide them toward the best resources to meet their needs. Um, Our emergency funds program is widely used in a variety of reasons because everyone's personal crisis looks a little bit different. So from um, an individual coming in and saying, I just don't have enough to make ends meet this month, and I don't think I can pay my rent, our emergency funds program can do that, and we can avoid evictions for families. Um, We worked with a senior who hadn't had an eye exam or proper glasses for a long time. Our emergency funds were able to allow that person to go and get the proper eye care that they needed. Um, We had a call from um, the police department who's become a wonderful partner in our programming, and there was a fire, and they asked, we've got children here. They're standing outside with no shoes or socks on. Um, We showed up to the event with blankets, shoes, socks, some snacks, some food. We're able to do these kinds of things. And then afterward found out um, that a family lost a lot of their belongings. We were able to provide an entire bedroom set for the family through our emergency funds. So the program is very vital and again, very unique to each individual's personal needs. I imagine that you're growing uh, in awareness so that people in the community are saying, wait, there's this resource in our community. Uh, I'm aware of it now. What did it take to get to that point? It took a lot of outreach. It it took a lot of outreach. But um, one thing that we got good at in, from the very beginning was partnerships. So creating strong partnerships, like I mentioned with the Clintonville Police Department, with our own city hall and city leadership, and especially with our school district. So those partnerships are valuable because when they find out about you, they're going to start to spread the word for you. One of the partners uh, we're pleased to say is the Clintonville Community Foundation, uh, one of our uh, regional affiliate partners, uh, and I'm thrilled that you're partnered with them. Yes. Um The Clintonville Area Foundation has been one of our biggest cheerleaders from the very beginning. Um, It is wonderful because um, many of those individuals actually come and volunteer and help with our programs on a regular basis. So they are just as committed um, to making quality change in our community as we are. I have to ask you this question because you started this organization uh, right in the middle of a pandemic. Talk to us about that. That must have been incredibly challenging. It did bring many challenges, but looking back, there was no better time than then to be able to to start. Um, Our community was hurting, and if we could be a ray of hope in any way through those times, I'm glad we started when we did. Yeah, it, it just seemed to be destined to happen, to meet people at their greatest time of need. You uh, also have a a really interesting library of sorts. It's a tool loan program, and it's for people who need tools for home repairs and other projects. You know, that's something that we don't hear about that often. That's a great idea. (laughs) Well, we can't take credit for that. It actually was a suggestion of one of our donors. Um, This individual reached out to us and said, hey, if I was able to supply you with an entire toolbox of tools, do you think that could help meet some needs in your community? 
And he went on to explain that he would provide all the tools, he would make a list of all of the items, what they could be used for, and that it could act as a library of sorts. And we jumped at the opportunity. And it has grown now to be such a valuable resource because when something goes awry, something breaks or is in need of repair, and you can't afford that tool or you can't find that tool, it's only going to amplify an already difficult situation. So having access to those tools, coming in and lending them out um, for those needed projects has been a valuable resource to many. I, I can imagine. And uh, some of those tools are, are very expensive. You, um, people who are in need can't afford them, like you said. Uh, what are some of the projects that they that you've heard about that they use them for? So any anywhere from, you know, kitchen sink repair to tree trimming to all of those things um, that, you know, buying those needed tools, wrenches, of any of those, um, we have an entire drill set that somebody was able to utilize for a month for um, a home repair project as well. So a- absolutely vital. And talk to us a little bit about car repairs too, because that's a vital need. I, people need their cars to get to their job, to daycare, to uh, medical appointments. How does this program work? Absolutely. And, th- and that goes back to transportation in a rural community. Yeah. Um, there isn't public transportation. And so commute time is often much more for people in a rural community. And so reliable, safe transportation is something that Everyone relies on for work, for childcare, for getting kids to school, medical appointments, all of those needs. Um, so our car repair program um, offers qualifying applicants up to $1,000 for needed car repair. So we would pay those funds directly to a certified mechanic, and then um, the client would pay us back over the course of two years um, as a no-interest loan. That is incredible. It makes an affordable way for somebody to get the needed repairs. Mm. And I bet the uh, car repair shops in town really appreciate that. They do. We've built many, many strong partnerships with our car repair shops. Uh, You must be staffed by hundreds of people here. (laughs) (gasps) No, that's really not the case, Amy. We have two full-time employees and two part-time employees here. Yeah, and, and it really takes a lot of volunteers, too, who are passionate about making sure Clintonville and its people are well cared for. And your donors, too, who give generously and make all this possible. Absolutely. So we have many programs. Um, like I mentioned with the Nutrition Mission, it really does take um, a variety of volunteers many different days of the week to run that program. And then we have those that come in and ensure that our pantry is always stocked up every week. Um, and then especially for our back-to-school clothing resource, uh, we start with a semi full of clothing and get it to the point where it is an actual store. So that actually takes months of volunteer work and time. So we simply could not be where we are today without all of the support of volunteers and donors that really make it happen. 
You know, one of the uh, challenges in any nonprofit is the barrier of language. Um, not everybody speaks uh, Northeast Wisconsin English, you know. So <laughs> it's really hard for people who live here who don't speak the language. And you address that as as well, don't you? We do. And truly, barriers of any kind do not allow individuals to fully participate in a community. And so we recognized early on that we have a growing Hispanic community here, and we want to ensure that we are doing everything we can to reach them. And our mission is about inclusivity. And so we knew early on that we needed to reach the Hispanic community in our programming and in every aspect of the resources and services we can provide. And you're doing exactly that. And we're going to take a brief time out. When we come back, we're going to hear about the partnership between Compassionate Connections and an organization called Bridging Language Barriers. We'll be right back. The Community Foundation for the Fox Valley Region works to strengthen our community today and for generations to come by helping people, businesses, and organizations make a difference in the lives of all. Get in the loop. Stay informed about what's happening in the Fox Valley through the Community Foundation. Our blog shares stories of impact about the arts, education, community improvement, healthcare, human services, and the environment. Sign up at cffoxvalley.org backslash loop. See how giving matters. We are back with Leah Winoyak, Executive Director of Compassionate Connections Center here in Clintonville, Wisconsin. And joining us is Jolyn Zaldivar, Spanish interpreter and translator. Welcome, Jolyn. Hi, nice to meet you, Amy. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself, how you came to be working with this organization and providing language translation services. Well, Bridging Language Barriers uh, started in 2010. Out of my home, actually. I built some clientele. Um, we have a growing Hispanic community in Clintonville. During the pandemic, I had been looking for a place to uh, have an office space to have clients come in to be able to service them rather than housing them in my home. And lo and behold, I had uh, received an email from the founder, Amy Meinhart. And really, I consider that an answered prayer. I'd been w waiting for quite some time, just trying to be patient. But uh, the challenges of COVID really kind of put um, the brakes on what I wanted. And um, I've been very grateful to have uh, met Amy. And uh, it's been two years now. But at the beginning, uh, when I came in, I was running my interpreting business out of uh, the Compassionate Connection Center and. Amy and I began um, a really good working relationship and realized that the Spanish interpreting services that we were able to provide um, really built and collaborated um, well with the, the hopes and the vision for Compassionate Connection Center. It sounds like a great partnership. Uh, what about the population here in greater Clintonville? Because it you know goes into the rural areas. How big is the Hispanic-speaking population um, it's hard to put a number on that specifically. However, um, I do have some history with working with the Clintonville Public School District, and there's just shy of 100 students in the school. Um, of course, that doesn't, you know, count for the parents and the adults, the other single adults in the community. 
interpreting and translating, uh, we do a lot of work with um, the farms, the local farms. A lot of our Hispanic families work in the agriculture because that is mainly what, what we are. This is our community. Leah, you must really be thrilled to have uh, working with Jillian side by side. Absolutely. Um, she is really a trusted individual in the Hispanic community. So because of that strong relationship she has built with the Hispanic community, she was able to break down that barrier right away. And so people were able to learn quickly what Compassionate Connections was about. And with JoLynn's expertise, we were able to have all of our resources and materials translated so that anyone that was accessing information about us was able to understand that in their primary language. And that is really due to the beautiful relationship we developed with JoLynn. And need is need, no matter who you are. But is there anything in particular that your clients, JoLynn, are looking for that maybe you can help specialize in? Because language is, is a huge thing for feeling connected to the community and belonging and just navigating everything. Absolutely. Um, I think we initially, uh, bridging language barriers, was really looking at starting an uh, organization in interpreting and translating Interpreting is the verbal communication and translating would be anything written form. However, the business is built on relationships, building trust and credibility with families. And as I started working with families and understanding their needs outside of just the initial, maybe it was a translation of a letter they got from their local clinic because they had a child that was sick or whatnot, understanding their situation. They've only been here a few months and the kids were getting ready to go to school. So they needed help to get registered for school. The parents maybe not have ideally found the job that they were looking for, looking still for employment and realizing that they still needed housing. They may have been living with another family. So a lot of additional needs and the vision of bridging language barriers expanded from there to, you know, interpreting, translating, doing some transportation and additional resources that we were able to provide based on the relationships that we have built in our community from the beginning. Your uh, days with your clients must look different every day, depending on the need. D tell us some stories. What what do you what are some of the things that you do? I think that's the beauty of what I do. What I what I enjoy. What I love about it. I'm just going to give you a quick history. My parents are native in the Spanish language, but they had moved here as young teenagers working in the fields, migrated here, and they only went to school to eighth grade, but they came from Texas. And typically, that's how families would, would come here. They'd come here and work, and then they'd go back to their, their hometowns. And my parents, uh, for many years in the early 60s, they would house families that would come here and work and be contracted with what they used to be the world's largest sauerkraut factory in Bear Creek, Flanagan Sauerkraut. And again, back then, I think my parents are just really passionate about building relationships and helping people in the community because people had helped them. And um, well, they, they married and they had 10 kids. I'm the youngest of 10. And I remember growing up and having so many people in our home and I guess I never really asked too many questions, but as I as as my parents are now past, I have 
been able to really take in a lot of the stories of them housing people, helping them uh, find jobs and be set with, with housing and really making Clintonville this area their home. So I take took that passion, that vision, that um, after sitting with clients in my office and realizing that there's so many more needs here, that it's not just interpreting and translating. So registering kids for school, getting them a place to call home has really been the heartbeat of it all because now they can call this place home. They have a place to live and these families are no longer just settling for a few months and leaving. They're making Clintonville community their home. So it's it's been it's been powerful. It's been really neat to see. Do you have some stories you can share uh, about people who have decided, hey, I, I can actually navigate Clintonville. This this is good. I can I can be here. I can get my needs met. What what, what sort of stories can you share? Um, well, one thing that comes to mind, there is a young gal. She is uh, about 16 years old. And I remember having a conversation in regards to what she was going to do after school. And this young gal was not born and raised here in in this area. She was born in her country and her parents had migrated here when she turned 16. And I'm, I was directly asking her questions. You know, what do you, what are you thinking about doing after school? You know, her parents are working on the farm and literally it was kind of this block of, of wall between what I was asking in the vision she had. She didn't really have one. And I say that because this gal didn't have the opportunities like all of her other classmates. She didn't have the ability to go get her driver's license because she didn't have her, her documents or her social security number. Very interestingly, during that time, DACA, which is the Deferred Action Child Program the government had made, she was able to apply. So I was able to help her with that. And I remember taking her to the social security office to pick up her social security card with her mom. And just the, the opportunities, the potential that she was able to hold on to, really grab a hold of and say, you know what? Now I can go to college. Now I can drive. Now I can get a job. She could see the future then. It was like lights, you know, just were brighter than ever. It's just incredible. Carolyn, it was so great to meet Leah and Joe Lynn, and what an inspiring example of what a community can do when it joins hearts and minds to meet needs. Absolutely. And I want to give a shout out to Joe Lynn for her service on the advisory board for the Clintonville Area Foundation. And I also want to encourage any listeners who are interested in giving back in Clintonville, if you're not already involved with the Clintonville Area Foundation, check out our show notes to find out how you can get engaged. And that's going to wrap up our program today. We hope you enjoyed it. You can subscribe to this podcast and get all of our episodes delivered to you wherever you listen to your audio. We've got links to all the resources we talked about today, and you can find them by going to cffoxvalley.org backslash podcast and look for this episode titled Clintonville's Compassionate Connections. We'll see you next time on Voices from the Valley, a podcast of the Community Foundation for the Fox Valley Region.